on second service. I've, I thoroughly enjoyed Arthur and the team. My goodness, what a joy it was to sit on that front row and absorb and share in all of that. I, I won't be in here for that. Uh, I'll be back doing children's ministry, and then I'll slip in just in time to do the message. During the children's ministry, we're going to show a video clip of children telling the nativity story from a, like a third or fourth grade perspective. It's hilarious. You don't get to see it. Okay. But, but Meredith's going to stand up. Stand, Meredith. Good. Because if, if Meredith were to describe the nativity, this is what she would show you. Please note, 100% organic cow, shepherds watching on their iPads, Joseph taking a selfie. Mary's got her latte. Three kings delivering on segways. Gifts from Amazon ordered long before. Huh? Is, would that be it? Oh, no, maybe not. Okay, thank you. Let's talk about Christmas at, Ad, at Avalon. And uh, let me get, begin this message uh, in a way that is appropriate for the message today. We're getting there. Almost. One minute, 60 seconds. I got this really cool watch, you know, that, that every second goes by, it goes tink, tink, tink. And then after 60 of them, I'll watch the big hand go kunk. And that one minute of time. Isn't it amazing how long one minute of silence is? Isn't it amazing how short one minute is when you're doing something you take absolute and great delight in? If we were talking football, one minute lasts, I don't know, like 20 minutes. But that's a whole different story. Okay, did you know, are you aware this morning, that if you believe Christmas starts at midnight on January 25th, that there are 13 days until Christmas? That means approximately 325 hours until we celebrate the birth of Christ. That translates into 19,500 minutes left to get done, all the things you need to get done before Christmas arrives. So why'd you just waste one of them sitting here with me? I don't know. Today is the third Sunday of Advent. Advent simply defined is the arrival of something or someone or an event that is of great note, notable event or person. In the Christian world, we celebrate Advent Sundays, the four Sundays before Christmas. So go back to Sundays, and that would have been the Sunday of hope. There would have been candle lit. It would have been about Old Testament prophecies. The second Sunday of Advent, okay, would have been about the Old Testament prophecies and about the way of the prophets. Third Sunday is John the Baptist, joy, 
Joy is the message of the third Sunday of Advent, and next Sunday when we gather, it'll be about the angels' annunciations, about the uh, anticipation and excitement about the arrival of Jesus. But this morning, I want to talk about not just the significance of one minute, one 60-second swing of your watch, but I also want to talk about the strategic nature of time, of those moments, their timing. Timing is important to everything that exists. My mom out in Washington State in Seattle, I called her this week, and it's snowing and 27 degrees. This is not the time, my gardener mother knows, this is not the time to plant tomatoes. Because timing is everything to a gardener. Quarterbacks know about timing, okay? Just that instant either makes them a goat or a hero. There's guys that are gonna play this afternoon that get paid incredible amounts of money to have good timing. Timing is everything. If you've ever missed a flight, because of a delay of some kind, you arrived one minute late. Yet you know the importance of timing. If you happen to have been in the Twin Towers on 9-11 and had escaped here and looked back one minute later and watched one of the buildings fall, you really would have understood the importance of timing. One moment, one 60-second interval of time placed at just the right location can make all the difference in the world. So we're going to look at Galatians 4, 4, because it's all about timing. Galatians 4, 4 says this, but when the fullness of time, other translations say at just the right time, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, and there's a whole lot more. But this is the part I want to emphasize on emphasize today. When the fullness of time had come, God. Now, fullness implies that you're filling something. So I brought my red cups today, okay? Because if I were to put this red cup here on the table and I had my jug of water and I would begin to fill it, okay, there's getting less and less room in here and at some point the fullness of the cup would be obvious because it would overflow. The, the cup is full. It can hold no more liquid. Okay, well, when, when God began, he says, when the fullness of time had come, I would present to you that God put a red cup there and started to pour into it. And at some point, when the cup is full, God's, Jesus is going to come in the fullness of time. Now, when did God start pouring into the cup? When did the, the endeavor to get to the fullness of time begin? Well, technically, if you look in Ephesians, the, the first chapter verse 4, it tells us that really uh, God started filling the cup. Let's, this edge of this table is time as we know it, Garden of Eden, okay? Well, maybe creation, sun and moon. Okay, good. Uh, over here before time, God started filling the cup, Ephesians 1, 4. For he chose us, God chose us in him before the creation of the world 
to be holy and blameless in his sight. So technically, God started filling the cup before there even was time for you and I to understand. But for you and I to get the grasp of a better idea of when God started to fill the cup, let's go to Genesis, the third chapter. God started filling the cup in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It starts with a promise. Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve have sinned. And God is confronting and talking to Adam and Eve and the serpent, Satan, and he makes some declarations. And here's the one he makes to, to Satan, 315. And I will put enmity, tension, uh, trouble between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And God started pouring into the cup. He told Satan, listen, from this point on, you think you've got it. You think you won. You disrupted it. That's right. But I'm telling you, here is a promise that I speak on my own word, that there's going to be a, come a time in the fullness of time when the little nip you're going to take at his heel, he's going to crush you underneath his. And the promise began, and God began to pour the cup until we got to the fullness of time. Do you... You know, there's one way to consider that this much of your Bible, the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi, one way to look at it is it's just a recording of all of the efforts since the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15, until the fullness of time. It's the effort of Satan to punch holes in the cup or tip it over. If I can just keep God from filling that cup, then whatever it is he promised will never show up. And so we see things like, like Egypt exile and the nation getting taken away into exile. All kinds of things happen as Satan makes the effort to ensure that God doesn't get to fill the cup. Now, God is one to level the playing field. I mean, he's God, Satan's only Satan. Genesis 22, 18, as, as Satan leaves the garden, he goes, wow, the offspring of Eve. That's going to be a whole bunch of people. God said, well, let me give you a hint. I'll narrow it down for you. It's going to come out of the lineage of one man. Genesis 22:18. And through your offspring, singular, he's speaking to Abraham, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Wow, that was great of God to say, don't worry. Okay, if you want to punch holes in that cup, if you want to make sure it doesn't get to the fullness of time, you don't have to worry about all of the kids that Eve ever has in lineage. I'll even narrow it down to Abraham. Pick on somebody in his lineage. So when they picked on someone in Abraham's lineage and they ended up the entire nation of Israel in, in captivity, in slavery in Egypt, surely that would be the fullness of time. And no, it wasn't. God rescued them, but he, he did it through Moses. It, it was not the fullness of time. There was a promise. There was also a tremendous amount of prophecy. Matthew, Matthew the first chapter, is Matthew quotes a whole lot of the Old Testament prophecies about what's going to happen, some things that are going to occur before the fullness of time, before the, the cup is full. And so it Matthew 1, verse 23, he quotes Isaiah, 
and says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Watch for this. Watch for this. When a virgin gets pregnant, okay, then you're going to know. It's going to be, watch. There's another prophecy. Matt, turn the page, Matthew 2, 6. Again, Matthew's quoting Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. It's going to come. He's going to come out of Bethlehem. Watch for him. Lots and lots of prophecies. You know, the guys who wrote that, Isaiah, Micah, they all wrote from exile. The nation of Israel was no longer 12 tribes of Israel. It was a bunch of lost folk who had been finally hauled off under Nebuchadnezzar into captivity in, a, in Assyria, a land they did not want to live in. And, and there where, is where God says, I want you guys to talk about and write about the one who's still coming. Surely, surely it would look like Satan was winning at that point. The mighty nation of Israel was down to a little bitty remnant, and they weren't even where they belonged. They were over here in captivity. Surely this is the fullness of time when God would come. And no, it wasn't. Did he rescue them? Yes, but it was not the fullness of time. The fullness of time, God tells us, is going to be precise and practical. And that makes absolute sense to us if you look at it from a historical perspective. The Roman Empire had prepared the world for the birth of Jesus Christ, whether they knew it or not. The Romans had constructed roads that interconnected all the cities. The world was at peace under Roman rule. Pax Romana meant that there was, there was going to be political stability at the time that the fullness would come. Latin and Greek were well known throughout the entire empire, which was most of the known world, which made communication possible and, and was ideal. It was the opportune time to spread the gospel. And perhaps most importantly, the Old Testament prophecies were coming true. All the Roman effort to prepare for the fullness was occurring, but the prophecies were all coming true too. And if they'd just been paying attention, they would have known. Galatians 4.4 4 tells us that God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Okay, let's take a little sidebar here. God sent forth his son. God did not send forth a baby. Jesus, fully existent as God before the creation of the world, always the son, took the form of a baby. But God didn't send a baby. And born of a woman. And the word in Greek there, born, means became, became Okay, Jesus lived in the state of being as God, and then he became in the state of being as a man. Christmas is not about, is not about uh, beginnings. Oh, look at the little baby. No. Christmas is about becomings. God became a man. And he was born under the law. God was pouring in the cup, not just about prophecies, not just about the Romans. When we get to the fullness of time, it's going to be a time when the law has completed 
its task. It was God's timetable that Jesus had to live under the law so that he could fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think, Jesus speaking, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And Paul talks about it more in Romans 8. Romans 8, verses 2 and 4. Actually, we'll start with one because that's just a really cool verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to become, to be a sin offering. Jesus fulfilled the law, the full allotment of time designated for the law to prepare the world had elapsed. And finally, the fullness of time was perfect at just the right time. Jesus was not born at a random time. He came exactly at the moment God had designed from eternity, from before creation. So how do I know it was the perfect time? Because it's the time God chose. Right? It's perfect because God chose it. It was a promise made long ago when God started to fill the cup. The prophecy that the cup is being filled, watch, these will be things that will let you know we're close. Okay? The precision and the preciseness that God had as he brought all of these things together, the cup, and then the perfect moment when Jesus would be born at just the right moment, God sent his son. And most of the people missed it. Isn't that incredible? With all of that, this cup coming, most of the people missed it. Do you realize that when the cup got full and in the fullness of time Jesus came, Satan didn't stop. In fact, he's more concerned about time now than he was even here. Because you see, at the moment that this occurred, God started filling another cup. Yep, because there's going to be a second advent, a second arrival of Jesus Christ. And from this moment here, God started filling this cup, and Satan says, I'm aware that that cup's being full, filled. And I know that my time is short. Revelation 12, 12 tells us Satan knows his time is short between the first and the second advent, between the first cup and the second cup, and God is already pouring into it. Isn't it interesting, as a side note, that if... If Satan was aware here that God was going to fill a cup to here and then Jesus would come and every effort to disrupt that failed, that when that cup was fulfilled and Jesus appeared and the next cup started getting full, isn't it interesting that Satan didn't just go, I lost, I give in, you won, I surrender. We think, well, what's wrong with him? Same thing's wrong with you and me. 
We know. We're aware. Why don't we just surrender? I don't know. But Satan continues on for the second advent of Christ, and the second advent is not unlike the first advent. It has a promise. Acts 1.1. Jesus is, has, a, has risen from the dead. He's moved around with his disciples for 40 days. And in, in Acts 1.11, Jesus is, is ascended into heaven, and everybody's standing there looking up because they've never seen that before. And the angels say to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. It's a promise. He says, God says to Satan, the, the seed of Eve will crush your head. That's a promise. And at the ascension of Christ, the angels say, and Jesus is coming back again. And that's a promise. And there's prophecy about it. Let's look at Hebrews 9.28. Men who are writing the scripture that we call the New Testament are writing some prophecies about Jesus. Hebrews 9.28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. There's prophecy that it is coming. The promise is prophesied. It's going to be precise. I should have told you to keep your finger there in Acts 1. Acts 1, before Jesus ascends, the disciples, you know, guys who like to kind of know what's going on and be in control, uh, not unlike you and me, want to know, Jesus, we're all gathered here like you told us, um, um, is, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus says, there is a precise time. And it's not yours to know. Quit trying to figure it out. Okay? And it's set by the Father. He knows exactly when this cup is going to be full and Jesus is going to come back. Watch and be ready. And then it will come at the perfect time. Not necessarily a time that youth, and I think is perfect, Second Peter gives a little insight to that. You, I'm sure, the, I'm sure the folks there in Egypt captivity would have said, now would be a really good time. <laughs> Isn't this the fullness? Now would be a good time. It wasn't. In exile, well, there's just a few of them. The nations almost disappeared. Surely, God, now would be a good time. It wasn't. And when they least expected it, the cup got full and Jesus arrived and some of them missed it. Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some of us understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's timing for the second advent will be perfect because it'll be when God determines that it's full and Jesus should become. And you know, just like the first advent, 
when the cup was full and Jesus arrived. In spite of all of this information that I just read to you, and there's more in the scripture, in spite of that, when, when this cup gets close to being full and is full and Jesus comes back, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who miss it. Well, first advent, second advent, it's recorded a whole lot what happened here in the Old Testament. So what exactly is happening between the first and the second advent? I'll tell you what's happening. Now is happening. Now is happening. You were born. And the moment you and I were born, God started filling a cup, your cup. And there's going to be a fullness of time for you and for me. When does God show up? See, in just the right time as promised, God's going to show up, and he's going to show up with just what we need. Well, boy, have I got good news. Romans 5 tells us when he shows up in regards to your cup and mine. Romans 5, 6 to 8, Paul records, You see, at just the right time for Jim, when Jim was still powerless, Christ died for him. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for Jim in this, that while Jim was still a sinner, Christ died for him. Fill in your own name. That's perfect time. See, unlike the advents of Christ, which was someday and someday, this is today. And today is a really important word to God. Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4 The writer of Hebrews says, you know, I, I want to tell you about today. Hebrews 4, 6 to 7. It still remains that some will enter into that rest, that glorious, glorious rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them but did not go in because of their disobedience, therefore God set again a certain day, calling it Today, when a long time after David he spoke, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today. And then Paul appeals us to understand that now, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6. You've heard Pastor Dale use this a number of times in the series out of Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6. Starting at verse 1, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, promise, prophesy, perfect, and in, I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. May I ask those men who are going to help with the, with the Lord's Supper to come and take a seat in the front. You might be thinking, okay, that last part about, wow, there's a fullness of time that is about salvation. 
Don't miss it like the first Advent people did. Don't miss it like many in the second Advent will. Today is a day of salvation. That's good news for some of us in the room today. But if you're sitting there going, whew, I'm a believer. <laughs> I didn't miss it. Yeah, kind of. You didn't miss salvation, but today is the today. Today is the day is still applicable. You see, for God is going to come at just the right moment, just the right time, with just what you need in that moment. And remember, you may not like his timing. The people in captivity, the people in exile, in the moment probably didn't like God's timing. You may not like the gift. When Jesus showed up, when the fullness of time had come, and he brought the perfect gift, most of the people didn't want it. They didn't want a savior. They wanted a victorious victor. I don't, thank you for the gift. I, I don't want it. But today is the day for you and for me, I don't know, as you're sitting here and the Spirit is working amongst you, perhaps today is the day you need to forgive someone. Don't miss it in the fullness of time. Today might be the day to forgive someone. Today might be the day to ask forgiveness of someone. Don't miss it. You see, the person you need to ask forgiveness of may die on the way home, and you'll miss it. Today may be the day to give, or to give, but I don't know what that means. But if within you is a sense that God wants me to give, today's the day. But we already took the offering. Find me, okay? Today is the day to give. Maybe it's more than just money. Today is, I don't know, the day to go. For some of you, it might be, the Lord is stirring in my spirit that I need to go. It might be go to the person across the room and give them a hug. It might be go to my neighbor. It might be go to Romania. Today might be the day. This might be the fullness of time. Today might be the day to start doing something. Well, what should I start doing, Jim? I don't know. But if the Spirit of God is putting on you, you need to start I don't know, maybe it's reading your Bible. Maybe it's loving your wife. Maybe today is the day to start to recommit to something. I don't know. Maybe today is the day to stop. And the Spirit of God may say, it would really be better for you if you were to stop doing this. But God, in the fullness of time, don't miss it. Jesus took 12 men to an upper room. And he said to them, the fullness of time. Now is the time. Today is the moment. And as he sat around the table with them, bread and wine in his presence, he didn't say, think back. Let's review all I've done in the last three years. And he didn't say, let's look forward, because the second advent... Those things would come in a moment, but 
at that moment, Jesus said, now is the time. I want you to understand, gentlemen, that in just a moment, all the penalty for all of your sin is going to be taken away by me. I want you to understand that in mere moments, all the forgiveness you'll ever need is going to be provided to you. And so I'm going to give you a gift, guys. I'm going to give you a gift that you can hold and remember the gift of forgiveness. And this morning, like them, we are going to observe and celebrate the gift. So men, as you'll stand, I'll get John to help me with this side. The trays are going to come your direction. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I've placed your faith in him. The invitation is to you to take the gift. Gentlemen, please. The importance of time, 60 seconds, one minute, placed at just the right time in just the right place can make all the difference in the world. 10.02 a.m. might be just the right time.